0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Actis podcast, a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news relevant to the CDI profession and Actis. I'm Carla Accordo, an editor and product coordinator for Actis, and I'll be your host for today's show, which is part of our Conversations with Carla series. In every episode of this series, I'll be joined by a guest who's behind one of our most popular and exciting Actus educational offerings to share their expertise. I want to start by wishing all of you out there a very happy CDI week on behalf of the whole Actus team. We appreciate you all year round, but we're so excited to celebrate you a little extra this week. Don't forget to join us tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern for a special free CDI week webinar Diving Deep 2022 CDI Week State of the Industry, sponsored by 3M. You can register using the link in the show notes. That webinar will qualify for one and a half CEUs, and we hope to see you there. For today's podcast, I'm joined by my co-host, Kim Connor, RN, BSN, CCDS, CCDSO, CDI Education Specialist for Actis at HC Pro. She serves as a full-time instructor for HC Pro CDI Bootcamps and Propel CDI Advisory Services. She's a subject matter expert for Actis and frequently writes for Actus publications and speaks at Actis events. Connor has 20 years of clinical experience as a surgical ICU burn trauma nurse at large academic medical centers. In 2013, she shifted her focus from the bedside to CDI. During her career, she's been responsible for initiating CDI programs in both the inpatient and outpatient settings, developing ongoing education across the continuum of care, and most recently was a CDI director where she led education and support programs to maximize CDI success. Welcome, Kim, and thanks for joining me to discuss today's topic, which is long COVID.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm so happy you can be here. Um, can you start by explaining a little bit about what long COVID is? Like, What makes a case long COVID versus just like regular COVID, for lack of a better word?
1: <laughs> it's a great question, actually. Um, so regular COVID, as, as you say, is is typically an active infection. Um, So it's, I don't feel good. I I, I tested positive for COVID and and, and we go through that. Long COVID is a little bit different. It's really after that um, active phase. And these are lingering symptoms that are associated with the COVID uh, viral infection. So, uh, and and these symptoms can range, and I believe it, at last count, there's over 200 symptoms <laughs> <laughs> associated with long COVID. And uh, I, I always say COVID is the gift that keeps on giving, and, um, and, and people do suffer from this. I, I think it's uh, quite fascinating, actually, that uh, the CDC at one point had done a study and I think at least one in five people uh, that are infected with COVID will experience at least one long COVID symptom, which is actually incredibly interesting. Uh, there's no great definition out there for long COVID. We're still kind of working out uh, the details. The CDC has their parameters, which is a little bit more, uh, you know, symptoms that are lingering for weeks after an active infection where the World Health Organization uh has a definition that really kind of spreads it out a little bit more, and these are lingering symptoms beyond three months uh, of an active infection. But, um, you know, I, it, when we talk about long COVID, it's not that you have an extended period of time of, of an active infection. It really is, you know, what follows. And, uh, and, and these symptoms can linger for quite some time. Um, I will tell you, I know physicians and nurses that were infected early on in the pandemic, That are still experiencing um, pretty bad long COVID symptoms that are just not going away.
0: That's crazy. Um, Some people in my audience might know I've been sharing over email a little bit, but I'm actually getting over COVID. I'm a couple weeks past it now at this point. Um, I hear a lot of people talking about brain fog. That's something I'm definitely experiencing the brain fog, um, the fatigue. So, those are all symptoms of long COVID. Um, I think it's the correct and yes.
1: So long COVID act- brain fog is actually one of the top three, um, conditions. <laughs> so it is not uncommon at all. And, um, you know, now I feel like I can blame any mistake I make on, on, you know, I have brain fog from COVID. So, um, because again, <laughs> it is a lingering symptom. I'm taking that. Um, so yeah, we do have, um, some, significant symptoms, neurological symptoms when it comes to long COVID. Fatigue was number one on the list. Shortness of breath, because COVID affects the lungs as well, was number two. And brain fog is number three. And really the brain fog is just kind of this conglomeration of of symptoms, which, you know, it it can be forgetfulness, it could be confusion, um, you know, short-term memory loss, Word finding problems. So it's it's kind of this myriad of of, of symptomology, uh, and and it is pretty significant. And and some people, it just you know, it can take months for it to go away. It's it's no joke. Uh, I will tell you that um, you know the the dynamic behind the theories behind some of this is that it causes this tremendous. Uh, abnormal inflammatory response in your system. And, you know, neurologically, the virus actually kind of attacks you in, in two different ways. It, it, it's a direct attack. The, the virus itself can attack um, cells in the brain. Uh, and then an indirect, which is, you know, it, it caused it, you know, lung damage and hypoxia. So, you, you know, you could have gotten a brain injury in that, in that um, realm as well. So it, it does get tough. Uh, we still don't know exactly what's causing this. Uh, I found it absolutely fascinating that um, the drug that they they're using now, um, it's a, an emergency uh, release drug, which is Paxlovid. And it's only meant to be given for five days on a patient that has active infection. Uh, and and these are select uh, patients, but patients actually can have an infection have long COVID symptoms and get reinfected so you can still have long COVID symptoms, get a, a, an, a, another COVID infection. And, um, but the patients that they were putting on the Paxlovid that experienced the long COVID symptoms prior to their second infection, when they were on the Paxlovid, their symptoms went away which I found absolutely fascinating. So more to come on that and and you know something clinically to kind of keep your eye on it and and the research they're doing in in that realm but uh patients did report relief when they were taking Paxlovid from their long covid symptoms which I really thought was amazing. The problem with it is that you can only be on it for 5 days. And once you're off of it, now everything just keeps coming back. So again, does it have something to do with our abnormal inflammatory response to this virus? You know, again, that's still to come, but it's, uh, it, it is a virus that you've got to have some respect for this one. I, it, it really is fascinating and, and we haven't really seen anything quite like it. So uh, everything continues to evolve.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I will say I've gone the entire two and a half years without catching it. This was the first time I've had it. And, you know, I'm young, I'm healthy, relatively speaking. I thought it would be a couple of days and I would kick it. Um, But it was, it really took a lot out of you. And hearing you talk about it from a clinical perspective and the way it attacks your body system, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it It really does. So thanks for sharing that. That's really interesting to me. Now that we've talked a little bit about what long COVID is, let's talk about how it relates to CDI. What should our CDI specialists who are listening, what do they need to know about COVID? What should they be focused on?
1: They need to know everything. (laughs) (laughs) Is what I would tell you. They would need to know everything. Um, You know, number one, I think it's incredibly important to stay up to date with the clinical aspects of this, um, that there are things that are evolving and changing daily, weekly. You know, we continue to find things out um, when we're looking at at this virus and things that it it can impact. So, you know, for CDI, you know, in record reviews, even on the outpatient side, the inpatient side, you know, number one, look to see if a patient has had COVID. Um, And it doesn't necessarily need to be recently. Um, They're finding that these long COVID symptoms are cropping up even six months, nine months after an active infection. So, uh, and again, I, I sit here and say it's the gift that keeps on giving because your symptoms can resolve and come back your symptoms can resolve and then new ones come back. So it really is trying to kind of balance out what, what are you seeing, you know, in creating that picture and, and pulling it all together. Um, when you're doing record reviews inpatient or outpatient, um, they have now developed a new code for uh, long COVID or, you know, for sim- uh, symptoms that are being presented when a patient is presenting with, excuse me. Um, due to, uh, you know, a prior COVID infection. So there's a new code that, you know, that has been in play, which is the U09.9 code uh, to identify it. It's never going to be a principal diagnosis because you're always, there's a code first rule on that. You're always going to code what the symptom is. So from the inpatient side, you're looking at patients that may be coming in with neurological changes, um, you know, encephalopathies, things along those lines, seizures. Uh, are common, um, you know, PEs. So that's more of the acute aspect of it and, and patients that will probably require hospitalization versus, you know, a patient that goes to their doctor and says, you know, I, I am so tired all the time and they have fatigue and they're a little short of breath. And um, so again, these are your presenting symptoms and you want to make sure that you're linking it to that um, prior COVID infection. That's kind of be a, a, a real big one um the new code is really not meant to be used in conjunction with uh the active covid uh code which is the u071 code and um but Patients can have, as we just talked about, long COVID symptoms and then present with an active COVID infection to the hospital or to their PCP office. So at that point, there is, you know, as there always is an exception to the rule, you would use both codes, but um, making sure that that is, uh, is there and, you know, for clinical cues to be looking at, you know, was the, did the patient have an acute infection? And again, we don't know, because it just hasn't been here long enough, how long these symptoms can linger. Is it, you know, after a couple of years, it's going to go away? Um, is, it, is it there for a lifetime? So making sure that um, CDI understands there's no timeline. Um, so, and obviously, the more recent the infection, the easier it is to make that connection. But, um, you know, if it's six months out, not so easy. Uh, you know, and has the patient reported long COVID symptoms in the past, uh, which would be another good clinical indicator because, as I said, you know, you could have certain symptoms and they resolve and then new ones seem to crop up. So, it's putting those clinical cues together. And, uh, and I will say that, you know, I, I think as CDIs and coders uh, alike, we, we like to know that we have we make a difference uh, and in this arena, I will tell you, you know, coding and CDI have a direct impact on, on patient care and patient outcomes. And I don't think they really realize that um, and how important this data is. So capturing those chronic conditions uh, associated with this this virus in particular is really critical to how we're treating patients now and how we're treating them in the future, Um You know the data is really where it's at it's where they're getting all their information from so making sure that i know it seemed maybe a little mundane at times um, but making sure that we're capturing that and and making the association and making those connections i know the cdc had done a a study on it it was something outrageously large number like 60 million americans they looked at these records inpatient outpatient um, to really kind of narrow down and try to abstract, you know, what what could be associated with the COVID infection, um, meaning long COVID uh, versus not, and and this is how we got. We have over two hundred conditions or disease processes that are associated with this. Um, so it helps us identify, you know, best practice for treatment. It it really does assist with uh, current research being done and future research that's gonna, that will be done based on what we are able to capture and how we're able to make those connections. Um, It does allow for appropriate responses, treatment modalities. It also kind of tells our organizations how much resource we need geared towards this right now and for the future. We saw it with the surges and how we needed to staff. Um, So all of these things come from documentation and coded data so it does have a direct impact not just on your organization but nationwide worldwide and uh and to be able to be a part of that as a cdi is huge um i i don't i don't think that people realize how important what they're doing is sometimes and and i think it's important to make sure that we we call that out yeah
0: absolutely i appreciate you bringing that to everybody's attention um with this podcast airing during cdi week now more than ever it's the perfect time to let all of these cdi specialists know the amazing things that they're doing it's it's their week to be celebrated and i appreciate you calling that out it it, it is and
1: it's vital it's it's truly a vital part of the process and you know it, it also allows cdis to really communicate with providers uh, on a different level than, you know, just approaching a provider and them running the other way going, "What do you want from me now?" Um, it really does spark great conversations. So if you're keeping up with, with newer research and things that are coming out, to be able to speak to, to clinicians, because CDIs speak both languages um, on a clinical level, uh, and talk about well, what do you think about that, and how do you think we're going to manage that? And again, it gives us a lot of clues on how we're going to look at documentation as it pertains to long COVID. So I, I think it's 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 a pretty um, amazing thing that that we are all in and we are all doing.
0: You mentioned um, conversations with providers. Are there any documentation education opportunities specifically related to COVID? Things that. CDIs should be looking to talk to providers about that maybe they're seeing in the documentation or not seeing in the documentation?
1: Well, I think one of the biggest things um, that they can do is make sure that they educate providers if this is a long COVID symptom, you know, again, whether it's on the outpatient or the inpatient side, uh, that it's linked to this, you know, a a post-COVID condition. That linking language is going to be very, very important. Um, And again, so we can capture data more than anything else. Um, The new code uh, for the long COVID is not a it's not an hcc it's not a cc it's not going to get you a lot of you know in that direction however you know i think i have really stressed the importance of making sure that we're capturing that data so that's a huge education point for providers just just to make sure that they have that linking language uh, and I know that uh, a lot of providers like to use the in the setting of uh, it is natural clinical language. We say it all the time. Uh, unfortunately, uh, CMS says that is not linking language. So I always tell people ISO is a no, no. Um, so to make sure that you have that that linkage to, you know, and to, you know the PE is due to, to a, its a long COVID condition. Make sure that you're staying consistent with the terminology that you're using, because uh, again, there's not um, there's not one word or one diagnosis term really that that's out there that that um, that everybody is consistently using. So the post sequelae uh, of COVID typically is the language that we're looking for um, to make sure that we have that. That's now provided a, a nice link uh, in the medical record. So. Um, so as long as they're, they're doing that, we're, we're able to capture the data. Um, you know, again, what is the treatment modality? Are we treating the underlying condition that the patient's presented with? You know, we want to stay consistent with the messaging that we're we're giving providers both on the inpatient and outpatient settings. So again, this is going to be, um, you know, CDI teams coming together. I think a lot of times we think of inpatient and outpatient being two separate entities, and they're really not. Uh, There's a great deal of overlap. So we want to make sure that we're sending the same message in the outpatient setting to our PCPs as we are doing on the inpatient side. So everybody has that consistency. Um, and then again, um, you know, making sure that people understand the clinical behind it It, and really even a mild case of COVID, you know, like you've described, you you know, that you've gone through, uh, even though you've had a little bit of a long-term effect, you know, even a mild case, you know, a patient that doesn't need to be hospitalized can still produce. Those long COVID conditions. So again, I think those are the things. Those are the big education points for both documentation and clinical, and making sure that everybody's on the same page. Um, and then bringing that back to the coding department. I think that's another element that we seem to miss a little bit. So we're talking to providers, and we're getting all this information. Everybody's getting on the same page, and then you know the coding department is kind of left out of the out of the game. So make sure that the coding department is included. Uh, that you have discussions um, about what you're seeing out there and what they consider linking language. Cause again, you don't want to be sending out unnecessary queries because you've given the providers different information and the coders are sitting there saying, yeah, we're not coding it this way. So you you need to help us out. So again, making sure that every, every component of this, this is a a huge team effort uh, and really ultimately who wins is the patient. So um, I think those are the important elements when when it comes to educating. I don't think it's just the providers themselves.
0: Absolutely. No, you're right. It is. It is an entire team effort. Um, You hinted at this a little bit in your response already, but can you give me like a specific example of a query opportunity related to long COVID to help um, our listeners understand exactly what they might be looking for?
1: Sure. Um, I I think I can do this. It's actually, you know, a relatively recent case um, that I can remember. Uh, so I always kind of feel like it's the beginning of a punchline. So uh, a, a patient comes into the hospital. So, uh, you know, a patient comes in and is admitted for an, a new onset of seizures. The patient has no neurological issues prior to, to this. And, you know, this is a new onset. The patient, you know, remains confused we would expect that uh, a little bit in a post-dictal state, but the patient beyond what we would expect from a post-dictal state um, is, still, is remaining confused. The CT scan is negative. Um, they do an EEG and they, they see that there is a little bit of seizure activity, but they also show, it, it also shows some slowing uh, and, and encephalopathy. So the patient had had COVID six months prior to the admission. Um, did not require hospitalization, but uh, the, the, they did go to the, their PCP uh, for the COVID infection. So, you know, you start to kind of put some of the clinical indicators together and say, this is just kind of, an, you know, so there's you know, no drugs involved, no alcohol withdrawal. So you start eliminating all the, the basics that we see um, and start putting together, could this possibly be due to a prior COVID infection. So, and again, it's six months out. I don't think that this necessarily would be a thought in most people's heads um, that this is a, a possibility, but it's come on, coming out of nowhere. Um, and especially with an EEG showing slowing um, when somebody's had a seizure uh, in, in an encephalopathic uh, process, that's when we now kind of start to, our gears start to turn a little bit and say, could this possibly... Um, be to uh, due to COVID. So if I was going to send a query out on that, what I might say is, you know, per medical record, this, you know, 55-year-old patient is admitted with seizure of unknown origin. Uh, the documentation does state that uh, the, the patient's confused. Uh, it's possibly due to a postictal state. Uh, the patient's confusion confusional state has lasted more than 24 hours. Uh, The EEG, and I would probably quote the, you know, what the EEG is showing, uh, that the patient was initiated on medication, neurology is coming in and being consulted, uh, and then please further specify the cause of the confusion and the seizure. So, and I I might put out choices like this is a post-COVID condition of new onset seizures and metabolic encephalopathy. Uh, It's a post-condition of new onset seizures. Confusion is secondary to the postictal state. Uh, Nuance set of seizures of unknown origin and confusion, secondary to post state only, uh, and then other, please specify. So I'd probably kind of go at it that way. Now, I know there's a coding clinic out there that says you don't, you know, um, you, you don't document encephalopathy due to a post state. So that's why the wording was very um, particular in this case. Because uh, it, if the confusion is due to the uh, postictal state, we wouldn't capture the encephalopathy. Uh, it would be due to uh, the seizure itself and only. But you know, we see this a lot, and you know, patients are coming in with PEs three, four months after an acute infection same type of uh, scenario. But I think those we're a little bit more aware of. So we're a little bit more aware that COVID can cause PEs, you know, cause a hypercoagulable state. So it's easier to make those connections versus uh, the patient six months out from a COVID infection didn't need to be hospitalized. Now they're coming in with seizures. So I, I think it, we really do need to kind of take a step back and, and do a little bit more detailed uh, record review. Um, be a little bit more of a detective to say, did the patient have COVID or not? Uh, and, and if the answer is the patient's never had COVID, well, well, that's a road we don't have to go down. But if they
0: did, you know, mm-hmm. let's take a look at it. Absolutely. Thanks for providing that example. I think that seeing things illustrated the right example is always really helpful. So um, thank you for tying that in. This has been such an awesome and helpful conversation. I know I've really enjoyed it, even as somebody with that's not currently in CDI. Um, but unfortunately, we have run out of time. So as always, if our audience has any questions about this topic, you can feel free to email the ACTIS team at actus inquiries at simplifycompliance.com. We'll also put that email in today's show notes, which are available on the show page at actus.org and in your podcast app, so you can grab it from there. Again, I just want to thank you so much, Kim, for spending the afternoon with me discussing this. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Now it's time for the Actus Update, a regular segment featuring the latest news on what's going on inside the association. Today, I'm excited to give you a sneak peek at the 2023 Actus Pocket Guide coming this November. As I'm sure many of you know, because it's one of my favorite parts of my job and I talk about it all the time, I have the pleasure of working with Lori Prescott and Dr. James Manns on the Actus Pocket Guide. While a labor of love, editing the Pocket Guide is something I've become really passionate about, largely because of how many of you use it in your day-to-day. It's amazing to know that I get to help put together a book that so many people in this industry rely on. The Actus Pocket Guide is divided into multiple sections. The first four sections provide an overview of official coding guidance, ICD-10-PCS, reimbursement methodologies, and compliant query writing. The bulk of the book, however, is devoted to clinical validation and diagnostic definitions. Organized by MDC, the Actis Pocket Guide contains more than 75 conditions, each with definitions, diagnostic criteria, treatment protocols, coding considerations, CDI critical thinking tips, provider tips, and references for additional reading. The 2023 edition contains all the important updates to fiscal year 2023 guidance, as well as American Hospital Association 2022 coding clinic guidance. Additionally, Dr. Mance has written new provider tips, and Lori Prescott has updated CDI tips to reflect what's currently happening in the industry. This year's update will also feature a brand new listing for dementia, as well as updates to listings including atrial fibrillation, heart failure, myocardial ischemia. C. diff, acute kidney injury and acute renal failure, coagulation disorders, delirium, and atrial septal defect for neonates and pediatric patients. As always, we've updated the MSDRG list in the back, which lists all of the MSDRGs with their titles, relative weights, and geometric mean lengths of stay. Lori, Dr. Mans, and I are so excited to share this latest edition with you. If you have any questions, comments, or even suggestions, please feel free to reach out to me directly at k-a-c-c-o-r-t-o at You can also pre-order your copy today using the link in today's show notes. So this brings us to the end of today's Actus podcast episode. We'll be back in two weeks on Wednesday, September 28th for our next show, where we'll celebrate Actus's 15th anniversary. You can listen to the show anytime on the Actus website or via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. All the links we discussed during today's episode will be available in the show notes. And as always, we'd really appreciate it if you take a minute to leave us a five-star review on your podcast app to help others find our show. Our intro and outro music is Media Noche by Deanne Key, and our ad music is Take Me Higher by Jazar, both obtained from the Free Music Archive. If you have any suggestions for future guests or topics, please email us at actus inquiries at simplifycompliance.com. Until next time, take care, everyone.